0: The witness of the Holy Ghost, as borne by those who know, has lifted me again to Thee, O Father of my soul. I know that Thou art in the heaven, I know the Savior reigns, I know a prophet speaks to us for our eternal gain. My eyes are wet, my heart is full, the Spirit speaks today, O Lord, wilt Thou my life renew and in my bosom stay? As testimony fills my heart, it dulls the pain of days. For one brief moment, heaven's view appears before my gaze. Hello, and welcome to LDS Real People, Real Lives podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin, and I am your host, coming to you from Southern California. Thank you so much for joining us this week. It's just been an absolute thrill and exhilarating to be able to do this podcast. And I'm so excited to be on episode 17 personal witness and testimony of our leaders. And we're going to be talking about obtaining a personal witness and testimony, basically, drawing closer to our leaders. And the three that I am focusing on are Jesus Christ, Joseph Smith and our current prophet, President Russell M. Nelson. We know so much about them, but do we have a personal relationship with them? And that is what we're going to be covering in this episode. So stay tuned, relax, and enjoy. of a topic to choose for this week uh, what would be the most important with the greatest impact considering what we've all uh, been going through and that's going on in our country our world after prayerful consideration and thought it was impressed upon me to research and talk about uh, gaining a personal witness and testimony of our leaders of the church we know about them we learn of them we acquire facts and details but have we developed and nourished a personal relationship with them So, for this particular episode, I would like to focus, uh, as mentioned before, on Jesus Christ as he sits at the head of his great church here on earth. Joseph Smith, for no man has done greater for mankind other than Christ. And our current prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, who is definitely the right servant of God for the time to ready us and usher in the return of our Savior and Redeemer of each of us and our spirits, Jesus Christ. When you consider these three, we know a lot about them, don't we? We have many books about them, scriptures, talks that have been given by general authorities, and so much more. Again, in Christ's church, we have a wealth of resources. So let's start with Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Savior, and we will discuss a bit about what we know of each of these faithful servants of God. We, of course, believe that Jesus is a son of God spiritually and temporally. He, too, is a God. We as saints accept what we are all taught in the Old Testament, prophetic declarations that have been made that refers directly and so powerfully of the coming of the Messiah. And we believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the fulfillment of that particular prophecy. We also believe that accounts of Jesus Christ and his life and ministry as witnessed by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We believe he was born of a virgin during the meridian of time, and that from his mother, Mary, Jesus inherited mortality, Uh, the capacity, of course, to feel the frustrations and ills of this world, including also the capacity to die. We believe that Jesus was fully human and that he was subject to sickness, to pain and to temptation. We believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Father, and as such inherited powers of godhood and divinity from his Father, including immortality, the capacity to live forever. We believe Jesus performed miracles, including granting sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, life to some who had died, and forgiveness to those who were steeped in sin. We also believe that Jesus taught his gospel, which is the glad tidings or good news that salvation had come to earth through him, in order that people might more clearly understand both their relationship to God the Father and their responsibility to each other. We believe Jesus selected leaders, invested them with authority and organized a church. We maintain that the Church of Jesus Christ was established, as the Apostle Paul later wrote, for the perfection and unity of the saints. We believe that Jesus' teachings and his own matchless and perfect life provide a pattern for men and women to live by and that we must emulate that pattern as best we can to find true happiness and fulfillment in this life. We believe Jesus suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane and that he submitted to a very cruel death on the cross of Calvary, all as a willing sacrifice, a substitutionary atonement for our sins. And that offering is made efficacious as we exercise faith and trust in him. We repent of our sins and that we are baptized by immersion as a symbol of our acceptance of his death burial and rise to newness of life, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We do not believe that we can either overcome the flesh or gain eternal reward through our own unaided efforts. We must work to our limit and then rely upon the merits, mercy, and grace of the Holy One of Israel to see us through the struggles of life and into life eternal. We believe that while human works are necessary, including exercising faith in Christ, repenting of our sins, receiving the sacraments or ordinances of salvation, and rendering Christian service to our neighbors, they are not sufficient for salvation. We believe that our discipleship ought to be evident in the way that we live our lives. In essence, we declare that Jesus Christ is at the head of this church and he is the central figure in our theology. Christ is our ultimate exemplar. beautiful. I just love doing the studying of our Savior and Joseph Smith and our, pres- our prophet, President Russell M. Nelson. Moving on to Joseph Smith. He is a prophet, seer, and revelator of the Lord. He has done more, as mentioned before, save Jesus only for the salvation of men and women in this world than any other man that ever lived in it. This is a astonishing declaration, which describes a man who was called of God at the very tender and young age of 14. And he died at the age of 38, a very short life between Joseph Smith's birth in Vermont in December of 1805 and his tragic death in Illinois in June 1844. Marvelous things occurred. God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, appeared to him, teaching him more about the nature of God than had been known for centuries. Ancient prophets and apostles bestowed sacred priesthood power upon Joseph, making him a new authorized witness of God in this last dispensation. An incomparable outpouring of knowledge and doctrine was revealed through the prophet, including the Book of Mormon, who I absolutely... Love That book is so precious to me. The Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. It's through him, Joseph Smith, that the Lord's true church was organized once again upon the earth. Such an amazing, amazing, miraculous work. Joseph Smith was a sixth generation American. His ancestors having emigrated from England to America in the 1600s. The prophet's ancestors typified the characteristics often associated with the early generations of Americans. They believed in God's directing care over them. They had a strong, very strong work ethic and they diligently served their families and their country. So Joseph Smith was born on December 23rd of 1805 and he was the fifth of 11 children He was named after his father, and the children in the Smith family were um, in order of birth, an unnamed son who died shortly after birth, and then came Alvin, Hiram, Sophronia, then Joseph, Samuel, Ephraim, who lived less than two weeks, William, Catherine, Don Carlos, and Lucy. Evidence of the prophet's extraordinary character emerged early in his life. Uh, the Smiths were living in West Lebanon, New Hampshire when a deadly epidemic of typhoid fever attacked many in the community including all, all of the Smith children. Um, while the other children recovered without complication, unfortunately for Joseph, and I'm sure this was part of his education and progression, when he was about seven years old he developed a serious infection in his left leg. Um, So the doctor, who had come from Dartmouth Medical School, uh, nearby Hanover, New Hampshire, agreed to perform what was then a new surgical procedure to try to save Joseph's leg. And as the doctor and his colleagues prepared to operate, I was always so impressed by this because Joseph had asked his mother to leave the room. He didn't want her to witness his suffering. You know, he had very tender feelings towards her and loved her so very much. He did not wanna put her through that. Again, Joseph was here, um, he was suffering, he was in pain and still thinking of others before himself. He also, uh, back in those days, they didn't have the anesthesia that we have during these modern times. And so they wanted to give him liquor to dull the pain and he told them no. Uh, He relied only on his father's reassuring embrace and Joseph bravely and courageously endured as a surgeon bored into and chipped away part of his leg bone. I just can't even imagine, imagine doing that and having to go through that without any type of uh, help. The surgery, of course, was successful, although Joseph walked the next several years with crutches and showed signs of a slight limp the rest of his life. We know of the first vision and his faith in the wonderful scriptures of uh, you know, James 1.5, he totally believed in the scripture, and that's what led him to the grove. And that scripture is, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. We know that he saw angels, that he conversed with them, and learned as a student from them wisdom and divine knowledge. He restored the priesthood of God And we know that he married a wonderful woman and daughter of God, Emma Smith. She was an excellent equal partner for their journey and missions here on earth. He has baptized so very many. He has spread the good news of Christ's gospel. He loves the Lord and God with all of his heart, mind, and soul. And he fought valiantly and with great courage when needed and was sought after repeatedly by those who would stymie the restoration of Christ's church on earth. And so much more. Joseph is quite an amazing individual. Moving on to President Russell M. Nelson, we know that the prophet is a world-renowned heart surgeon. That he has held many callings in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, including uh, being a stake president, an apostle for 34 years. Um, He was the quorum president for a few years. I think that was from 2015 to 2018. Uh, He was in the U.S. Army Medical Corps during the Korean War. And he was born in Salt Lake City in 1924, and he graduated school very early at the age of 16. Just a brilliant, brilliant mind, and enrolled in the University of Utah at that time. He moved through the medical program swiftly. He was a member of a research team at the University of Minnesota, and they have an excellent reputation. And he helped, along with a few others, develop the heart-lung machine, that in 1951 supported the very first human open-heart surgery using the cardiopulmonary bypass that they invented. He accepted a faculty position at the University of Utah as well, and he had, has had and still having a wonderful, fulfilling life. When he performed the first ever, uh, it's called a tricuspid valve regurgitation, his patient happened to be a Latter-day Saint stake patriarch. Later, he would perform the very same surgery on a prophet in the 70s who I absolutely love and adore. He always just had this grandfatherly feel to him any time that I watched him, and that's President Spencer W. Kimball. Um, President Nelson is an amazingly smart, intelligent, gifted, and spiritually receptive man. Uh, our prophet was called to be an apostle by the very same man that he operated on, President Kimball. And early on in his apostleship, he was assigned to the Church's Young Women Program and helped develop the Young Women Values and Personal Progress Program. And you know what? I never even knew that. And I loved the Personal Progress Program. It was just so important to me. Um, it helped me through so much in my teenage years, even when I was you know, lost and doing things that I should not have been doing. Um, I just loved the, the Young Women's Personal Progress Program. In 1991, President Nelson served as the negotiator for the LDS Church with the IRS over whether contributions to support missionaries that were serving would be tax-deductible. In 92, he was the Church's lead delegate to the Parliament on World Religions, and for a time, he was also the Church's representative to a U.S. State Department Committee on International Religious Freedom. President Nelson's assignments as an apostle have included supervisory responsibility for the LDS Church in Africa. In 2009, he, along with his wonderful wife and others, they were actually attacked while in Mozambique. And from 2007 to 2015, President Nelson was a member of the Church Board of Trustees in Education. And then following the death of, I think it was Boyd K. Packer, on July 3rd, 2015, President Nelson became the most senior member of the Quorum of the Twelve and the Quorum's president. And then, of course, he was set apart as the Quorum president on July 15th, 2015, by um, President Thomas S. Monson, who... Again, another prophet. It's so interesting how you can develop these personal relationships based on their differences, their personality, and the things that you kind of learn about them as they talk and they preach and they share and they do service and they lead. And I'm just so very grateful for the opportunities that were given to come to know them. But as mentioned before, this episode is titled and called personal witness and testimony of our leaders. So, you know, it it's just struck me when I was talking to my husband the other day that we know so much about our leaders, the apostles, the prophet, our savior. We even know a lot about Heavenly Father and the Holy Ghost who are members of the Godhead. Uh, you know, we know so much, but have we taken the time to come to know them personally and what really kind of shined the spotlight on this for me in particular was a very good friend of mine. Her son gave a talk a couple years ago before he took off on his mission. And he talked about how, you know, he would go to seminary um, and he was he was there, most likely asleep, probably not engaged too much. And um, through his high school years, he didn't really... You know, he's just a typical teenager. And then here he is, he's graduated high school and he's getting ready to go on his mission. And he mentioned in his talk that he hadn't really um, come to know the Savior, Jesus Christ. He knew of him. He knew his story. Of course, he had studied about him over and over in the scriptures and Sunday school classes, seminary, you know, uh, just so many opportunities to come to know the Savior. And he had a lot of facts and details but he had not developed this personal relationship with someone who he had considered was kind of, um, you know, he was from the extreme past. We're talking over 2000 years. So uh, that really impressed me and it impressed my heart that I needed to take the time to come to know these people. Another reason why I need to develop a personal relationship with them is because <clears throat> they are the leaders of Christ Church here on earth, including Jesus Christ himself. I don't have time in my life to go and pray and research and look over and double check everything that they lead us in doing, acting, supporting, studying. Um, I have to know them well enough and build my own testimony and witness of them so I can trust them and have confidence in them. Um, I really only go and and pray about things that maybe I have questions about or do further research over things that really, truly uh, just don't sit well with me. And maybe I feel spiritually impressed to find out more on my own. But I, I'm going to admit, for me, that rarely happens. As I have put daily time into scripture studying as well as coming to you know, know our wonderful servants and leaders of the church. Um, I trust them. I love them. And I have developed a personal relationship with them. So you may ask, gosh, how can you do that? I mean, I haven't ever talked to them. We've never conversed. Not even a text, an email, nothing of the sort. But when you take the time to search, seek, ponder what happens? We are promised that when we do these things, that the spirit will reveal truths to us, that the spirit will open and enlighten our minds and hearts to obtain the knowledge and the feelings and the beliefs that we need in order to sustain our church leaders. And that essentially is what has happened to me. So how did I go about this? Honestly, Come Follow Me program, the first year being in the New Testament, I followed the Come Follow Me program. And based off of the Come Follow Me manual and the questions they asked, that is really when I came to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I came to know His life so well and the details of His life that literally in my own life, in my own daily life, if something happens, if something occurs between me and someone else, whether it be someone I know, a stranger, whatever the case may be, I can quickly refer to, you know, that kind of old WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And because I've studied him out and thought about him and really taken the time to draw close to him and come to know him, I can quickly come up with the knowledge that I need of his life that can give me the compass and the guidance and direction that I need in my life on how I need to behave or act and, and my desire to be Christ-like. So the same thing with Joseph Smith. Um, I realized that I knew a couple years ago a lot about Joseph Smith, but I didn't feel this fire passion towards him. And I just felt like I really needed to come to know him. And there's so much on, not only on the Church of Jesus churchofjesuschrist.org, but also there is the app that you can download. Um, and I've talked about it before, but it's the Saints channel. It used to be the Mormon channel. And um, you can just type in Joseph Smith and all these wonderful videos and audios come up. I do a lot of driving on the road, so I tend to listen to that those videos and audios at that time and it's such a great time because I'm, I'm alone, it's quiet and I, you know, I always ask that the Spirit can just be my companion and basically just ride with me and teach me. Open up my heart. Um, help me to draw closer and build a relationship with him. Help me to be appreciative of all of his many sacrifices for his His courage and his tenacity in restoring the gospel here on earth. Um, and, you know, thankfully through those efforts, I have been able to obtain this personal witness and testimony of Joseph Smith. So now we move on to, you know, President Nelson. I was shocked to find out that he had been an apostle for over 30 years. Now, granted, I've known this since he's been the prophet of the church, but before he was the prophet, I, I you know what? I didn't really pay that much attention to him, and I don't honestly know why. Um, because as I go back and I've studied out his talks since he's become an apostle, this man is amazing, and he focuses, a lot of his talks are focused on hearing Him, hearing God, hearing our Savior through the power and His Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And um, I just don't know why I never connected that before. So when he became the prophet, I did a lot of studying just like I did with Christ and Joseph Smith. And I went to all the good books and resources that I had available to me. Um, And, you know, I really liked that he came out when he was first called to be the prophet, and I don't remember if it was conference or not, but he came out and shared personal details about himself, who he was, his life, and shared funny stories, and it it just made him so tangible and real, like he could be your grandfather, your father, your best friend, um, someone that you could sit with every day and have the utmost wonderful, joyful experience with him, and just be completely elated. And that's how I see all three of these men, as if I was able to spend any personal time with them in the flesh, it would be utter exhilaration and elation is what I would feel. Now, how do I know I would feel that way? Because I've taken the time to develop these personal relationships with them. And, you know, this is why I'm grateful for the church, the organization of the church, and the teachings of the church. The church will always teach you, because Christ is at the head of the church, how to draw closer to the precepts, the teachings, and even those that have made many sacrifices for us to be where we're at today. Um... And I'm so grateful for that leadership. I'm grateful for the opportunities that were given to gather together and to share ideas and experiences and also our testimony and faith with each other. I always learn so much from the other brothers and sisters and it enriches my study time because I always pick up great new ideas on what to do or kind of how to study differently. Um, so I can really put myself in the context of the scriptures, understand what's going on at the time and um you know be very present in their lives as I read about it. And you know what's so super cool about this experience for me personally is that as I've been doing this and, and setting out these people that I really want to draw close to and have this Very, very close personal relationship with. Now, when I read stories about them, and this is the talents that can be given to us uh, through the Spirit of God, but this is also how the Holy Ghost can communicate with us, and this is just how He does with me, okay? Um, Is that when I read the scriptures and I'm studying Christ or Joseph Smith or even, you know, uh, President Nelson? It unfolds in my mind like a movie, and it takes my understanding to a whole nother elite level. Um, And I draw so much closer to them, and then all of a sudden, I start to feel their love for me. And because I'm feeling their love for me, oh my gosh, my love for them, like I cannot wait for the return of Jesus Christ. I cannot wait. I hope that I'm one of these ones that gets to go to to all of these wonderful conferences and meetings when, you know, Christ and um, Joseph Smith and the prior prophets, I love Brigham Young, they're going to be there. And, you know, I want to be there. I hope I'm alive for this. So, you know, I just wanted to really encourage you as you listen to seek out the things of good report, to... Obtain the witness and the testimony and the faith that you need to have to keep you all in to keep you rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints this is His church and His organization and um, just really encourage you to do the work because you will be so rewarded that great statement in this last conference efforts bring rewards. I reached out to a really good friend of mine who is a returned missionary. He's been back home, I think for about four or five years. Since then, he has um, gotten married to a wonderful woman. I haven't even talked to her very much, but I have been so impressed when I do talk to her um, by her faith, her sweetness, her kindness, Um, just really, and this has been over the phone, But she just blew me away. I just touched my heart, touched my spirit. It was like the spirit-to-spirit communication. And as I was thinking of someone who would be open to sharing their testimony and faith about obtaining a personal witness and testimony of our leaders, she came to mind. And thankfully, she's such a sweetheart, she recorded that for me and she sent it over. So I'm going to be playing that next Hang in there with me and enjoy. It's such a beautiful, beautiful, faithful t- testimony.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Sandra Hull. Um, I'm 21 and I live in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I'm sure my last name sounds familiar because my husband, Cody, just recently spoke on this podcast about repentance. Um But anyway, so Stephanie asked me if I would talk a little bit about gaining a testimony of Christ. Um, I just want to put a disclaimer out there to everyone. My story isn't the prettiest, um, and it can deal with quite a few difficult subjects. Um, I'm sorry if I cry in advance. It's a very difficult thing for me to talk about um, and re-experience. But I'm also a little bit of a crybaby. But (laughs) um, here we go. So, I was born into the church uh, with a convert mom and a member father. They are two amazing people that have always taught me a lot in my life. They, um, we would have great family home evenings and beautiful times together. Um, they have always taught me and my siblings about Christ and the love he has for us and the love that he has for others. Um, they've always taught us about the love that we need uh, to have for others as well as ourselves. Um, love has all. excuse me, love has always been the foundation of, um, my life and of what I thought other people's lives should be and how our church is led and how it is congregated and the love that was supposed to be through it, all of it. Anyway, so I'm going to time skip a bit and I'm going to say that my journey kind of starts at the age 14. Um, it was summertime, and I had just finished 8th grade. I, uh, I've been dealing with some very difficult things. I have severe de- anxiety and depression, as well as a few other mental illnesses um, that don't thankfully come into play during this story right now. Um, I had been struggling with a really bad secret, um, and because of that, I was really, really struggling with myself um, and who I was and you know my image my self-esteem and everything you know you're you're 14 it it's a hard time for teenagers so one day I had finally been arguing with myself back and forth on what I was going to do and how I was going to fix whatever needed to be fixed and so one day I came out as bisexual in an impulsive Facebook post I didn't tell my parents you know, I had my sister had found out because I had told one of my friends, and she'd seen the text, and she was a huge support. And I was like, you know what? So far, I've got nothing but positive responses. So let me just put it all out there. It can't be that bad, right? <laughs> what else are you supposed to be at fourteen years old other than impulsive? Um. So. I I remember leaving it there not telling you know anyone and just getting us all these great you know responses we love you we're proud of you we support you from all of my friends at school and uh i had added a couple members on my facebook and they had screenshotted the post and sent it to my bishop who is kind of like a minister um he's the leader of our um church in a in like a smaller sect I guess I don't know it's hard to explain um so he called then called my parents um and told them and they were shocked um we had a me and them we had a a talk and they told me that they loved me they told me that they didn't support it necessarily they thought it was a phase you know everyone kind of goes through this phase of trying to figure themselves out and that they love me Um, but, you know, I wasn't allowed to act on the feelings and everything like that. It was very hard to hear, um, but at least they still loved me. At least I still had a place to stay. Um, and and somewhat of a support system. I was kind of lucky in that department. Um, sadly, this was the easiest part of uh, my journey. Excuse me. It became a long and difficult path after that. Um, all of these beloved members that I you know had been treating me like their child and everything like that started treating me as a problem um I was in young women's, which is kind of like a youth group for the church. It ranges from uh, ages twelve to eighteen um I had grown up with these girls and I loved them as sisters um they had seen me kind of like a mom um It was really great, and they were just. They were a good support system for me. They didn't care. They loved me no matter what. It was the parents that started acting differently. That you know, became the biggest hurts in my life. Um, they the parents would show up to our activities and stay the whole time, kind of watching like hawks. Um, and they would pull the girls away from me every time I tried to talk to them. Um, they wouldn't talk to me very nicely. Um, in front of my mom, they would act all nice and friendly, but to me, there was a lot of harsh words said. A lot of pity and, you know, fakeness. Soon, um, the bishop, same bishop as before, he called me into his office. Um, this was a downhill. This is what made everything else go downhill. Um, he told me that being bisexual, I was sinning and that I needed to repent of it. And that God would take this burden off of me. Basically, essentially, pray the gay away. Um, I was given rules. I was not allowed to be alone with the other girls, these girls that were like my sisters, and I was not allowed to be alone with them without parental um, supervision or some type of guardian or anything. Um, I was no longer allowed to touch the girls, meaning hugs hand-holding them, putting their heads on my shoulders at any time, anything like that, i um, which was hard for me. I'm a very affectionate person. Physical touch is my love language, but I understand the rules of consent, and I fully believe in it, and I would never, you know, do anything like that. Um, soon after this, uh, friends from the church would started calling me an abomination. Um... An abomination to God, and told me that I should kill myself to uh, rid God of evil on the world on the earth. Excuse me. Um, I was told this by parents, by adults, by uh, kids, by teenagers. Anyone that knew my story had an opinion on it, but I wasn't allowed to have an opinion on it. I was allowed to sit there and take it all. I was bullied, abused, accused of assault, and um. Molestation molesting these girls at church. Uh, I was picked on, I was made an example of uh, this happened until I was eighteen and aged out of young woman's. Um the bishops changed soon after that and the rules were lifted and it became a little bit easier on me. Anyway, my testimony started developing when I was about sixteen. Um I was having a very hard time. As I said before, I have severe depression and anxiety. I had been cutting myself, and it had soon become my addiction. I was in therapy, and I had been in therapy for years, Um, but it wasn't really working, uh, no matter how hard I tried. Um, So about 16, my sister had left on her mission, my big sister, the one that was my support system. She left on her mission. we were having really hard troubles with my brother at that time. Um, he and I are very close. They called us the twins. Um, and so it was hard on me, and it was hard on him, and it was hard on the family. And plus that, I was going through personal issues. I was going through hell and back. I was tired of being a burden. Excuse me. <laughs> um, On Easter 2015 i I took thirty six hundred uh milligrams of strong sleeping pills um, The goal was basically to kill myself. I was tired of it. I was ready. I wanted to no longer feel this pain. Um, I was happy with my decision. <laughs> I had come to peace with it. Um, soon after, about five to ten minutes after I'd taken everything, um, my mom had burst in, saying that she, um, felt the spirit saying that she needed to take, just, he was saying the name of my medicine, and she, uh, the poor thing, for her, her whole life, she's just been really terrible at medicine names, they're hard, terrible, but she had just kept getting the distinct, name of it. And so she came in and was like, "Hey, where's your your sleeping pills?" And soon after, um she found out that I had taken them all. 911 was called, um and my siblings were heartbroken. Um I want to say my first spiritual experience uh, that really impacted my life was when I was putting on my pants to go to the hospital. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but through the midst of everything, screaming and crying, my little sister was, has really bad anxiety, so she was throwing up, and everybody was screaming and crying, and just, it was a whole thing, and I was calm, I was very calm, and I was very, my mom thinks it was because I was, you know, really high on sleeping pills, but for me, it was, you know, I knew it was the spirit, and he was telling me everything was going to be alright, from here on out, <laughs> excuse me i was going to get the help that i needed um that i was going to be okay and that heavenly father loved me um so i went to the hospital um I, one of my favorite people from the church who was like a second who is like a second dad to me came and stayed uh, at the hospital with me um he gave me a blessing and I was over. Th- I was there for, for overnight and for a day. I was in the ICU. I had fluids. I was okay. There was no risk of me dying anymore. Uh, I was stable, and so they put me in a mental hospital. I guess a behavioral school, um, called Legside and I was there inpatient for two weeks, um, with girls and boys alike. That had all, raging, all different, uh, problems and mental health and everything like that was crazy. Um, we got intense therapy, um, group therapy, by ourselves therapy, family therapy, um, it was amazing. Uh, there was this one girl there, uh, she had lived a very, very hard life, um, and she had just found God the last time that she had overdosed, um, and so, but she was struggling really hard because she was going to be released soon. She was aging out of the program, and she had asked me to pray with her because she knew of my faith and knew that I was a spiritual person. Um, so we sat in this hallway of of our of our dorms, um, watched on by nurses and volunteers, and we sat there and we prayed for five ten minutes. I lost track of time honestly. And it was such a a beautiful time, a beautiful experience of here are two different people, two different stories, you know, connecting through this, this pure love of Christ. This, this person that has, you know, always been there for us, you know, has never left us alone. Um, I, I. I was one of the lucky ones and took to therapy very quickly um, and got a lot of help and soon I was taking, you know, put in the outpatient program. It was kind of a a school type thing where we had still intense therapy, but we learned um, how to deal with it. It was very good. I really enjoyed it. Um, They called me Dr. Phil there because I was always the one to be like, hey, you know, welcome to Lakeside. It's not that bad. You always have a friend in me. It was it was actually a great experience and I really enjoyed it. Um then I did more intense therapy and the uh, another outpatient program for six more months. Um until my grandmother passed away and we had to stop therapy because I we had a funeral and, and then I graduated from the program. It was a whole bunch of things. But um it was very difficult after that, I wish I could say that after that everything was beautiful and roses, uh, but honestly, I still ha- struggled really hard with um, with the gospel and with the church and finding my testimony and who I was. Um, I was still getting bashed on all sides, but I now had the tools to help um, I was allowed to kind of branch out and be who I was and who I wanted to be. Um I made a lot of wrong decisions, and none of them that I regret. Um but I did the best that I could in situations that I had no experience in. Um but through that all, through all of that, I um I had always turned to prayer. I I had so many special experiences that heavenly father allowed me to have. Many of them that, you know, that are just crazy. I Sometimes I think I just made them up. But then you get that feeling that it, it happened. And it was beautiful. And it, it helped me along the way. And, um... Man, being the stubborn person that I am. That I really needed them. It was kind of like a conk up the head. Like, hey, we're here. You know, lean towards us. Let us help you. You're not in this alone. And, um... And so... I decided that I was going to go on a mission um once I turned 18. Um which, you know, God had different plans for me. Uh because of medical reasons, I was not able to go. Um which really hurt me um because I was here I wanted to dedicate my life to you know doing these things. Um and I couldn't again, you know. Uh, it was really hard. But, um, but soon after I, I met my husband and that was really nice. He, he really helped me through all that. I'm sure I gave him quite a scare because I was like, I'm going to go on a mission. And he was like, no, marry me instead. And, um, it was really hard. And he's really, you know, he's light of my life. He's really helped me, um, st- like stabilize myself in, in the gospel and everything like that. Um, there's one scripture. I'm not as, uh as well read in the scriptures as he is um but there's this one scripture that i take to the most and it's my favorite scripture and i believe it's proverbs uh three five through six i'm pretty sure it's proverbs but it's um it says trust in the lord with all thine heart um and lean not unto thy own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path Oh, that's so difficult for me I don't trust easily I, I have a, a hard time trusting uh, but to, to take that leap of faith and expect him to catch you it was always so difficult for me until I had to do that that's all I had well, that was my only option uh, the most broken that I was the only option was to to fall into his hands um, and I was caught every time Every time that I step back or I stumbled, or you know I relapsed into cutting again i've I'm almost four years clean, and it's still as hard as it was that that first day of taking that step you know with with dealing with hardships and everyday life things you know stress work bills, the gross adulting things we have to do <clears throat> it's hard, and right now um I'm actually having a little spiritual trouble as it is um Struggling with it a little bit. Because of the hardships of life. But I know. And Cody doesn't let me forget it. But I know. You know. He's there for me. And that he. As soon as I'm ready for his help. You know. He's right behind me. You know. Extending his hand. Waiting for me to reach back. Um, It's. Life sucks. But there's so many joyous times in it. And. Sometimes we just kind of look for that joy. You know, sometimes our joys is in spiritual things such as scriptures or prayer, but in, you know, puppies or, you know, animals, but not in a gross way, but like, you know, cute things, cooking, baking, music. And, you know, it's something that we have always had and have been afraid to. To look for the positive in our life because there's that looming fear of negative wanting to crush us that that being afraid of failure Uh, but i i know that with heavenly father's help with his with christ as well you know he 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 helped he died for us he felt everything we felt he has gone through everything that I've gone through, gone through everything you've gone through and he understands just as well as we did as we do, through this hurt and this pain he remembers it like we remember it um, and because of that he was he's able to hold our hands through it and guide us through it, even if you know, we don't feel it even if we don't see it he's there waiting for us, loving us um, it's hard. It is. And I keep saying that because it is. Life is hard. You know, all of this is hard. Trusting in something you can't see is hard. But you can feel it. And you can... You can trust in it. I don't know. I, I'm i really not here to convince you to... to to you know trust in this thing you can't see but to just tell my story my story excuse me and to hope that it helps that you know not everybody's story is the same everyone's is so different and it's not always the cookie cutter way of oh i read a scripture and now i know the church is true which if that is your story that is your story and to be proud of it to love it you know there is no one correct way to to find the gospel to find this love of Christ and love of Heavenly Father, it's your story. It's, it's the way that you live this gospel. That's important. Not what other people think about you. Not how you you know, how you react to it. But how you find it. It's the journey. It is, it's the journey. It has always been the journey. Um. And honestly, I wish you you best on your jour- your journeys. I hope that you find peace and that you find love and that you find happiness and joy and that you you don't become afraid to fall, but you find that bravery to fly. Um, And with that, I I have nothing else to say. Um, So have a good day and be safe. Um, I love you all. And, you know, don't let anybody said that you're not good enough you're not a burden to people you are the best you there is all right bye
0: and that was Sandra Hall just what a touching touching story I love her just her real raw open very genuine sharing of her faith and her it's real people, real lives. And I she's just a sweetheart. I just love you to death, Sandra. So thank you so much for doing that. Um and you know that's the whole point and premise of this podcast is to reach out, to share, to be open. That way those who listen can learn, can be edified and uplifted, can have their faith renewed and help in some sort of way. And I just I know and believe that when we open up and we reach across to others that, that miracles happen and we all want to return home we are family we're brothers and sisters and we all want to get home and live once again with heavenly father so this is what we do we rally we share we open up and we encourage and sandra you're just a beautiful soul thank you for your courage and your strength for your love and most of all for your faith i love you and cody so very much So that's it for this week. Remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay faithful, and God bless.